Support for Why Is That Important is 100% provided by you. We are blown away by the hundreds of downloads we've gathered over our first season, and we are super grateful to have the opportunity to host a second season. And even though submitting a podcast is free, there's a lot of other little expenses here and there, and that's where you come in. Even just a dollar a month goes a long way in making this podcast better. So, If you love this podcast and want to put some money behind it, go to patreon.com slash W-I-T-I, or you can click in the show notes. Uh, Once again, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash W-I-T-I. We really appreciate it, and thanks for being a great listener. Hey there, friends. Uh, I know we said we'd only be taking a few weeks off, but uh, we had a few things come up. Uh, Joe, me, uh, is in the process of selling my house and uh, moving into the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. And we had one episode where we had to wait uh, due to some changes on their end. So all of that um, has caused and may cause us to be a little uh, less consistent for season two, uh, just for a little bit until things kind of settle down. But uh, we promise to keep delivering you great content, even if it isn't exactly on a weekly basis. But you know, if we do see us posting on a weekly schedule, maybe give us some uh, some kudos on Facebook because uh, I know that uh, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed at different times here. So um, without further ado, uh, here is our first episode. Why is that important? The podcast is called Why Is That Important? Hey there, and welcome to Why Is That Important, where regular people come for interesting ideas and perhaps a little debate. I'm your host, Joe Wanger, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Martin. Good day, everyone. (laughs) Each week, we have the privilege of interviewing someone who has something they feel is important enough to talk about. We'll take the time to discuss it and perhaps even disagree on it. So... Andrew, today our topic is minimalism. And so I feel like that begs the question, are you a hoarder? So the short answer is no. I'm not like, like if you watch Hoarders, that's not me. But I think I should caveat that a little bit, that like when it comes to like tools or screws, especially screws is probably the one that gets me. So every time I take something apart, I'm like, oh, I might need to save these screws, screws. So I have like a fishing tackle box filled with screws that I've removed from other things at some point in time. And some of them, like I've got like some three and a half inch stainless steel screws that somebody used. I'm like, man, this is like $5 worth of really expensive screws right here. So obviously I'm I with, saved those. I'm with you. So I, yeah, you, I mean, you never want to, cause you know, to go out and have to buy a box of screws and you never know the kind of size you're going to need. Especially you when know, you need like one, you're like, I just need yeah. one. Yeah. Yep. I'm, so, and then I have another bin that's just unsorted stuff. So, like, occasionally when I'm feeling bored, which isn't really that often now that I have a child, um, <laughs> I go through and I just start sorting them. I'm like, oh, that one's bent, throw it out. You know, this one's Phillips, you know, panhead or whatever goes in this one. Oh, this is a bolt and goes in this one. So, so, so that's the kind of thing I heard. Or- you're an organized hoarder. I mean, let's be, let's be real. I mean, my bin <laughs> yeah, of unsorted my- stuff is way bigger than my bin of sorted <laughs> stuff. And the other thing I hoard okay. is like two by fours and lumber because I'm always like, I might need a yes. little piece. Yep. So yep. that's my weakness. I'm with you. I think if you own a home and you're a little bit handy, you have to have those things. Like it's just a requirement. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. But my also, my thing then is like little electronic things too. Um, you know, like adapters and cables and stuff, because people are always asking me to fix things or if I've got this or that. And 
but yeah. Which reminds me, I need you to help me fix. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I understand. Or what, are you? I have I have a bunch of like you know uh, uh, what are they called? I want to say IDE cables, but that's the old style. SATA cables. I have a bunch of SATA oh, cables yeah. and yep. like uh, VGA and DVI and all the power cables and stuff like that. I just have a mess of them with Ethernet wound in there. It's like I'm gonna need these. I don't know when. But. But I will, and I'll eventually run out and be angry that I didn't keep the one that I threw away. Exactly. Although I think VGA is reaching the end of its life. Yeah, that's that's true. So really, it's probably good that we had this conversation with our guest uh, today, which is Debbie Wanger. And while being the sexiest woman alive, um, she's also a stay-at-home mom of a tribe of four kids, all seven and under. She writes sporadically at Subversive Mama, and uh, she talks about on her blog about living life on purpose and how that often means you know, being a little bit subversive, and she's totally okay with that. Uh, she happens to really love coffee, yoga, dance parties, exploring all that life has to offer, listening to people's stories, and thankfully, me, since she's my wife. <laughs> I think you have to caveat that a little bit with one of those, like, uh, the views described here and today do not represent the views of all WTI, uh, WITI members entirely, yeah. because I have my own wife who is not Debbie, and I don't feel that Debbie <laughs> is the most beautiful woman in the world. I'll leave that well, up to the listener sexiest. to figure out who I might <laughs> think that is. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah. So we're talking about minimalism. We're talking about, you know, how that just, that doesn't necessarily mean just having no furniture and everything's white paint, but it's about having um, the right things and the right space and being very intentional with what we do and what we have. So I really liked yeah. what, what Debbie tells us about essentialism i think that's that's a great word like minimalism i think it you know brings with it a little bit of baggage but the idea yeah. of essentialism like it's not necessarily having as little as possible but having what's as important as you need yeah yeah totally so without further ado here is our conversation with debbie wanger Hey, Debbie. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> for, for those of you listening that don't know, we just had a fantastic error um, happen where one of our computers restarted, and it was it was wonderful how it happened. Maybe we'll share the audio someday. Let's tag it at the end. Just But uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll finish it up with that. <laughs> but uh, welcome, my lover, my wife. <laughs> um so yeah, so today, um, as we already introduced, we're in introducing my wife and we're talking about minimalism and um, for the listener who maybe isn't aware of that, what that means, or it's a new subject to them, like maybe before we get to the background, give a little bit of like the definition of, of kind of where you're coming from with it. Yeah, I think a lot of people hear the word minimalism and they picture like, oh, white room, white walls, white furniture, nothing in the room. And that's just what conjures up in their minds. Um, but minimalism is more about intentionality than it is about like having nothing. Um, and minimalism isn't just about your possessions. It's also about how you live your life intentionally. And Joshua Becker, Becker is a very um, popular minimalist blogger, um, speaker. And I think he 
he defines it really well. He says the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from it. Um, and he talks a lot about knowing what your why is in order to do that. So yeah, minimalism is kind of saying yes to the things that really matter and no to the things that just might be good. They might be great things, but they um, are not priority for you. So how do you determine what is the thing that matters most? Like, I guess what I'm asking is uh, a lot of people don't know necessarily coming right out of the gate the things they care about the most until they've tried a variety of things. They don't know that they care about the poor until they realize how much the poor need other people's help. They don't know that they care about, you know, whatever, their children until they have some. So without, you know, doing a wide variety of things, how do you know what to concentrate on? Yeah, sure. I think my, so my personality style is to be very much like, oh, that's exciting. Oh, that's exciting. And so I dabble in a lot of different things. And so for me personally, I can't speak to everyone, um, but for me to look back and say, huh, I've seen some themes in my life. Um, these are some things that I've noticed that I tend to be drawn toward. And therefore that might be something that is, is a priority for me. Um, or there might be an area of my life that um, I have neglected, like let's say uh, friendships or some kind of relationship. And I've noticed that there's like this hole that hasn't been filled because maybe I've been prioritizing in the wrong areas. So personally, I went through something called the upstream field course. Sounds kind of intense. It's not that intense. <laughs> um, but it, it was created by Tish Oxenrider of The Art of Simple. Um, it's a website. Um, she now has a podcast called Simple Show. And she, she did a course that um, just really helped people to be able to focus in on what was important to them. And so there was a lot of introspection in that, um, which I loved because that's, that's something that I just enjoy doing. But that really helped me personally. That was a couple years ago that I did that. I think, I think it was after I had our third child. Um, and through that, I was able to look and say, okay, so these are some themes in my own life. Uh, this is why maybe I tend to overcommit myself to things and just say yes to everything. Um, and here's how I can kind of reprioritize and have some different goals for my life um, and say yes to the things that matter. So that was helpful for me. I don't, I can't speak to everyone, but I would highly recommend that for anybody who is feeling like they're in that place. So would you say it was easier to, maybe easier is the wrong word, but um it was more clarifying to go a minimalist route because you had so much going on in your life. If if somebody doesn't have a lot of commitments already, it might be more difficult for them to make sense of the idea of minimalism. Is that is that a fair assessment? Um, I think to some extent, yes. So for me, so as far as minimalism by way of possessions, I am a naturally minimalistic kind of person. So um, that has never been a great struggle for me. So somebody will ask me, well, where do I start? And it takes me a little bit to think, okay, you know, how, how do I frame this in a way that they, you know, that will help them because it's just not something that I've struggled with necessarily. Whereas with the busyness, that was something that I did struggle with. And so it's, I, it's something that I can resonate more with. I think people who maybe aren't overcommitted, for example, and would say, well, I already, I don't really have a lot of you know, hobbies or extra things that I do with my life, you still might not be intentional. So it might be that these are some things that I'm doing with my life, like maybe it's my job or my one hobby that I have or whatever. Um, but it might not be 
intentional. It might have just been something that you kind of fell into and you're just doing out of obligation um, that you just said yes to just to say yes to. So minimalism at its core is intentionality. And so it's looking at what do I really value and what do I really want to do with my life? How do I really want to spend my time? And so even if you're already minimalistic by way of your schedule, you can still kind of have that, that time introspection, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, so what, what you're saying is minimalism isn't necessarily about reducing. So it's a little bit of a misnomer by the sound of it. It's not so much about reducing so much it is about choosing wisely. Yes. Um, there's And there's a book called Essentialism. I don't know how to say his name. Joe, you might know Greg McSomething. McGowan. McCown. I don't know. But anyway, if you look up the book Essentialism, but that book was really helpful. I think I would even rather frame it with that terminology because I think minimalism makes it seem like you just want like the fewest things possible. Um, and that's not quite accurate in some senses. Essentialism speaks more to only the things that are really important to me um, by way of possessions and in my you know choices and whatnot. So yeah, choosing wisely is a good way to to resonate with that yeah so but it's not just it's not just wisely so uh, debbie and i have talked about this subject um at, at great length obviously so it's not as much new to me but it's not just choosing wisely because i think you can look at certain things in life and go like what does the world consider wise um and yet find great joy in something that's not that's not necessarily um like on the wise, the wisdom scale, like we know, like, for example, um, most people would consider learning and growing in, in that manner, um, uh, growing in knowledge to be something that is a, a probably a wiser choice than um, enjoying craft beer. <laughs> but you can, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's that that thing would give you joy. And so a lot of uh, the topic is uh, of minimalism or essentialism is about um, what are you saying yes to? Because anytime you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else or vice versa. Right. And so what are you, what are the things that are bringing joy um, to you? I mean, obviously there's, there's always going to be things you have to do. You have to make a living. You have to have, be able to afford things. Um, but, you know, in the example of. Well, yeah, that's true. But the, even but I still, you're saying yes. You're making in that case. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're, you're, so, you know what I mean? That's lower on the wisdom scale. <laughs> um, but there's there's always this um, this push towards like the, uh, as, um, as the essentialism book says, is like take everything in your life, what you do, what you own, give it a, a rating system from one, one to, to one to ten, um, and then do everything, drop everything that isn't a nine or a 10. And that's the way that you can get to the place where you can do as would that be, we'll talk, probably talk about in a little bit where less is more. You're able to do more as you focus on smaller things. Cause we Americans have this, this crazy, ridiculous thought that if we just do a whole bunch of things, that's better. Busy, busy is better than. Um, proficient, diversifying. Yeah, and I think you don't want all your I think eggs what in you're, basket. What you're getting at that's really important is that it's different for everyone, 
you know, so what I consider choosing wisely is not going to be the same as what you, Andrew, consider to be choosing wisely. Like it's just, it depends on your own passions and skills and priorities and values and all that kind of stuff. So it, it will look different for each person and not, not one is right and not one is wrong. I think it's just different for each person. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, go, well, both, but specifically going off of what Joe said about the rating system, like how do you decide how to make that rating system? Are you rating it on its ability to entertain you, to make you happy, to bring you joy? Um, are you rating it on you know, how other people will view you if you do that thing? Because frankly, if I spend all my time doing the things I want to do, I'll mostly eat, sleep, and play video games. And really, that's not the life I want to live or you know, the people around me want me to live. So obviously, I can't just do the thing I, you know, I can't just gratify the instant desire. And I don't think that's what you're saying. But how do you differentiate? How do you differentiate the thing that's important and the thing that you just want to do? Yeah, there's there's a great image and I wish I had it. Um, Maybe we can look it up after and include in the show notes. Um, But it's something like the things that you are you are good at and what the world needs and what can also bring in like monetary value if you're talking about like a job that you're looking at doing or whatever. And there's like this, it's a, a really neat kind of um, diagram to kind of show like it's it's not just about you. And that's a big thing, a big motivation for me with the whole minimalism slash essentialism journey is this isn't just like Debbie just wants to do what she wants to do and just wants to have like happy, joyful Debbie time all the time. Um, so whatever brings Debbie joy is what's going to happen. Um, it's also about like how how can this um, infiltrate into my community? So when I say when I say no to buying more toys for my kids, I am saying that I no longer have to spend all this time and energy telling my kids clean up clean up clean up um and i can instead say hey let's go outside and spend time with our neighbors because we're not stressing about our house being a mess um or if i say no to purchasing um another item of clothing i get to say yes to allowing that money to go towards something that will actually help somebody else out like there's different trade-offs there and so it's not just about me it's about how will this impact my relationships and my community at large in an ideal situation that's how it should be in my opinion interesting okay so it's so that coming back to kind of how i started that question how do you build that rating system like so how do you rate something that you know, is helpful to community at large against something that is helpful to your family versus something that is good for your own mental health kind of thing. Like, uh, I don't know, say for sake of an argument, or maybe that's a bad way of putting it, but let's say going for (laughs) runs like really de-stresses you and makes you feel good and helps you be a kind, patient person, right? But you could also spend that time um, you know, making sure your kids have delicious, nutritious lunches and spend a little extra time and write them little notes that say, I love you. I hope your day at school goes great. Or you could spend mm-hmm. that time, you know, uh, helping the, the local carpool get all their kids to school or, you know, what, what have you. Like, how do you decide which one's most important for your life? Yeah, I think a lot of that's trial and error. And I think sometimes it goes in seasons too. So, there have been times when I have definitely spent more time on one thing than I have another, and that's flipped. Um, so for me, something that I've noticed is that if I don't um, wake up before my kids, 
and I do a little bit of yoga and read a little and drink some coffee. Those are, those are really important things for me in order to prepare for my day. If I don't have those, then I am not as good of a mom. Could I spend that time um, doing something else? Sure. I could be outside weeding my neighbor's weeds. I mean, I, there are definitely other things that are good things. It's about what's the best thing for me and my family and my relationships. Um, and so I think some of it does come from that trial and error of figuring out like, you know, did this bring me joy? Is this something I'm, I'm good at? Is it something that um, is a skill of mine? And is this actually benefiting other people? Or is there somebody else who could be doing this better and more efficiently or whatever? So some people might say, um, you know, I'm not a bad cleaner of my home. You know, I can clean my home. I technically have the time. Um, but I could probably hire somebody to do that once a week. And instead, I could use that time to be writing a book that I know will really benefit, you know, the, the world. Um, and that's a, that's a dream that I've had. And it, I have this great idea for a book. And it's something that brings me a lot of joy, too. And so it's it's just one of those. It's not always right or wrong. It's just trying to say yes to something that's maybe better than something that's just good. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that there's really like a formula. That's understandable. I, I don't think... Yeah, I think actually if you laid out a formula that said, well, you know, take the time you spend doing this, multiply by, I'd be like, ah, <laughs> I don't know if I believe that this is going to work. Um, Valid. <laughs> and it makes sense that it's different for everybody. But it, it's good to know that uh, it takes some trial and error. You have to, you know, step mm -hmm. back sometimes and evaluate and say, okay, is that really helping me spend time doing the things I want to be doing and care about? Because uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, as longtime listeners to this podcast know, I have a young son, and sometimes I feel like there's a lot of things that are trial and error, uh, especially with the first <laughs> kid. You're like, I have no <laughs> idea what kids are supposed to be like. Is this normal, or does this mean I need to yeah. take them to the hospital? Um, it doesn't get much better <laughs> at, after the fourth kid. Well, you're still figuring it. You're, you're like, because yeah. they're all different. Sure, yeah. sure, but like, there's there's similarities all, all of them too. Different. Sure. I mean, they all start little and get bigger, right? <laughs> Well, some of them start much bigger and have any of them gotten littler? <laughs> Not yet. Layla. <laughs> Layla's just maintained while Asher overcomes her weight and almost her height. <laughs> Archer has some friends that are uh, younger and bigger than he is. Um but I I guess the trial and error bit is good to know because it, it doesn't have to work on the first try, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Because it could be and really discouraging to be like, I'm trying for essentialism, but it actually just makes my life miserable. It's, you know, you can <laughs> actually be like, okay, I think you might be doing it wrong. Let's try a different approach. Mm -hmm. Which is totally true. Like if you're, if you're stressing out about all the things that you're trying to get rid of, then you're probably doing something wrong. Right. Because it's not, it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be that. Not that it's, e not that it's necessarily easy. Um, <laughs> um, not that it's uh, yeah we're not going to edit that out she had to cough it's okay you can just cough <laughs> um, not that it's easy like I think it's difficult and requires some honest conversation um, and there's because there's a kind of a component you alluded to with that uh, was that, uh, the upstream course yeah is it takes time in the beginning to, to know yourself mm -hmm. and to know your tendencies and your strengths and your weaknesses, like, like for example, I remember when you were going through this, we were going through a time where you would 
you you would be in a season where you just want to start a bunch of things and then you kind of get bored with it <laughs> or or you'd be like okay i really liked getting this thing organized but i don't want to maintain it and so through that we were able to realize okay like your your skills and your gifts are leading towards getting a system in place and then handing that system off how can we how can we recognize that ahead of time and how can we hand it off really well? Like, right. Because prior to that, I would just say yes to everything. So at, at church, you know, if, if somebody said, can you do this? I was like, sure. You know, and it's not that I couldn't. Um, I think I could do an OK job. But was I the best person for that? Probably not. You know, and then because I was committed to all these other things, I was saying no to my kids. You know, I would say no more than I would say yes. And I didn't want to be that kind of mom. Um, so it's just, yeah, it was just a learning, learning about myself and my personality type and all that kind of stuff. And it was super, super helpful. So let's go back like before the point where you've kind of been introduced to this concept of, of minimalism or like kind of, we talked earlier, it's, it was something that kind of gradually became clear to you, but like, as you think about back then like what were some things that like led you towards this topic and towards um the importance of it in your life like as you saw things change and and stuff like that yeah um so i i had read i had read a book it was tish oxen writer's book actually it was notes from a blue bike and she was just talking about intentionality and traveling the world and um there was just so i mean there's so much good stuff in that book that was back in 2014, I think, um, when the book first came out. And um, I was like, man, like, I want to be able to travel the world. Why can't I travel the world? And and it just got me thinking, like, what am I spending my time on? It's not um, all it's cracked up to be. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> and I <laughs> obviously still have not traveled the world these couple of years later. And I don't know that I ever will necessarily. But it got me thinking about how she was – she was really intentional about saying no to some things so that she could say yes to that. And that was just really important to her family. Um, and that's still something that's like she's just known for being a traveler. And that's awesome. Um, I don't know that I am going to be that person. But it got me thinking more about, OK, w- well, what's important to me? What do I want to be kind of my my thing? And up until then, um, I had really kind of felt like I lost myself, um, especially after having kids. Um, I had just rushed through my whole life. I mean, my, all my growing up years, I was just go, 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 go. And I was involved in so many things and I went from job to job to job. Um, and then I had kids and I was working initially and then I was staying at home. And when I had our third child, I, um, stayed at home after her. And that was the first time I had stayed home with our, with our kids and I had postpartum depression and I just kind of like lost it. <laughs> and I was just like, who am I? What do I like? What, what do I want to do with my life? Like, am I just a mom? Um, and there's nothing wrong with being, quote unquote, just a mom. Like, that is a super important thing. And I'm so glad that I could stay at home with them. Um, but I'm more than that, too. You know, I was I was somebody before I was a mom, too. And so that was um, kind of a turning point for me wanting to know, you know, who am I? What am I doing with my life? Why Why am I committed to all these random things? Um, and it just felt really unfocused. And um, that might be partially how I tend to be in general anyway. I'm a little bit like scatterbrained sometimes, but I felt like I at least had some control over my life and I could choose to be more intentional 
Um, and so that kind of started me, I guess, on that journey of trying to be a little bit more intentional. And then from there, it progressed into even becoming more minimalistic with our possessions. And I'm still not anything like a lot of those minimalistic bloggers out there. So it's not like we have like the, you know, white house kind of thing. It depends on your perspective. Valid. <laughs> but people don't come into our home and say like, oh, I don't want to break anything. Like I often get compliments saying like, oh, wow, like you're really organized and I just feel so at home here. And it's like, it's very fun and fresh. And, you know, and so it's, I at least feel like I'm not, I'm not jumping on that like super clean, like sterile kind of environment with minimalism. But yeah, it just kind of progressed into that. And so now it's kind of both wanting to make sure I'm really intentional with our belongings um, and what we own, but also with my schedule and not overcommitting and learning to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait to say yes or no on this. Give me some time and then just really think through that before I just immediately respond. So do each of your children have like one spoon with their name on it and that's their spoon? <laughs> <laughs> like, but my, no. my spoon's dirty. Then wash it. <laughs> we have like 16, 16 spoons. We have two sets of two sets of silverware because we're also big on we want to have people over and we want, we want to just be able to bring your own the, spoon. The th- BYOS. Things, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's funny you asked about spoons. I'm like, you know, we actually have a lot of of silver, like of dishware, like, but um, so no, it's we don't we don't have that. Although our kids will fight over certain colors of plates and cups and all that stuff. Yeah, we, you know, it's a good point because I fought Joe on keeping how many utensils we have. I was like, we do not need all these. We, you know, there's six of us in our family. We don't need all this. But he made a good point. Um, And this goes against what I think a lot of people think of when they think of minimalism. Um, He said, you know, we like to host people, which is true. We love to have people over. And a lot of the times we're having a bunch of people over and it's not just like one couple. Um, And so we want to be able to have enough silverware to go around. Um, So... In that case, we do have more silverware than we need on a regular basis, um, but we have what we need for when we do host people. Um, and so some I was just talking with somebody, um, a neighbor of ours, who is going on this minimalistic journey um, and slowly decluttering her home. And she was over at our house and she said, is that all the books you have? And so we're talking about books and she's like, oh, that makes me feel so much better. I have so many books. Um, And I said, you know what? It's what's important to you. So what do you value? If you value books, have a bunch of books. If they're going to get read and and that's a really high value for your family, then that's okay. Just like if you collect something that you're actually using or – you know, like everybody has their thing. So like Beanie Babies. Well, <laughs> that's debatable. I love that response, Debbie. Well, how can I say this in a gentle and caring way and also say no? Um, so I guess my question is, what kind of things did you get rid of? Like uh, kind of give us a, a audio before and after snapshot. Like we used to have 10 of these. Now we have one or whatever. Joe used to have multiple spaces where he could keep his junk, and now he has one. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, again, I've always been a little bit more minimalistic. So it's not I – w- it wasn't like a before and after story like you might see where, like, this house is a mess and, you know, like hoarders, okay? But um, I will say we have one really skinny drawer 
um, in our kitchen, and that is considered our junk drawer. And it's really not junk. It's like pens, has a couple pens, pair of scissors. It's a junk drawer. It's the miscellaneous keys. drawer. Right. And so, but that's it. It's like super skinny, and there's like not much on there. Um, and that's it. And Joe has like a little. He has a tray, a, like a paper size tray, I guess, um, eight and a half by eleven type of thing. And that's where he puts his stuff. You know, whatever he's kind of going through. Um, and I don't, I don't have anything like that. You have the rest I of mean, the house. I, <laughs> I would like to point out that she thinks it's all right. <laughs> she thinks it's sexy when uh, when I'm decluttering. <laughs> so things get decluttered enough. It's all right. <laughs> um, so I think Andrew, like for as I think about it, because I think it's had more of a dramatic impact on me because I'm I'm not that way. I don't necessarily think that I think that that stuff needs to be minimalized, minimalistic as much as Debbie. I go along with it because I love her. She's my wife. Thank um, you. <laughs> but it's more like patterns that we've created. Like I think we go through our bins downstairs, um, our storage items, um, places where we keep stuff on a, like a, maybe a semi-annual basis. Um, so it's more about like keeping things decluttered and creating systems where, um, when, when toys are put away, uh, when toys are used, they get put away usually right, right away, unless I'm watching the kids for a couple of days and then they all get put away eventually. But, we know where stuff goes. We know what we have. And it's not like things just keep accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. Like our kids are used to us now donating their toys because they have the benefit of being the only grandkids on both sides and having wonderful grandparents that also like to buy them things. Yeah. We try to encourage experiences over things. And so I would much prefer that our kids um, go to a play place or a museum or the playground or whatever instead of having toys. Or and unsupervised in a shed full of fun chemicals like I was as a child. Or that. <laughs> that would be acceptable to me. <laughs> Sweet. It probably would. Send Colby Sadly. over. I'll teach him how to make explosives. Oh, right. not Colby. Not Colby. He would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that we would love that. <laughs> don't worry. He wouldn't have access to him at your there's, house. There's, there's enough explosiveness from him <laughs> in, in, regular, in real life without <laughs> chemicals. Disaster. Yeah. So we, we try to encourage more of that. And honestly, one of the things that we did, one of the things that we have decluttered a lot is toys. Like initially, like I just, I didn't even really think about it. Um, you know, we just had a lot of toys and I was like, this is great. It's all free. Um, but what I found was the kids weren't really playing with the toys or they'd say, I'm bored. And I'm like, oh, my word, look at all of the toys you have. 12,000 toys. Yeah, like how can you be bored? But it's kind of um, it's kind of interesting because you notice that the fewer things that they have, the more they're apt to play with them because it's not like this issue of there's so many choices I don't even know what to do. It's like decision fatigue for a kid, you know? Um, and so it also kind of decreased – the stress on my end because I, I do have a tendency to be um, stressed out by a mess. Um, so understatement of the night. <laughs> but I've gotten better. But no, like I still, you know, I let our kids do paint and messy things and stuff like that. But it really stresses me out to see a lot of clutter. And so when my kids would have all of their toys all over the basement floor, um, which is like their play area, um, 
it would really, really stress me out. And so when we decreased how many toys they had, it wasn't as many toys that could get out and therefore it's less to clean up and it's less stress for them because it's not as daunting of a task to clean up a couple things um, as it was to clean up like 200 things, you know? Um, That's true. Our cleanup time has decreased probably like down to 25% of what it used to be. I mean, it used mm-hmm. to be we'd start cleaning things up at like 6, 6.30 for like a 7.30 bedtime, 7.30, 8 o'clock bedtime. And now it's usually, you know, maybe 20, 15, 20 minutes. So, I mean, yeah. that's, it's been, it's definitely, definitely changed things. I mean, and just to clarify, Debbie and I just have different definitions of what what constitutes a mess. That's where my, I wanted to make sure my joke, she's not that, str- that doesn't get that stressed out about it. I just happen to have a different definition of mess than her. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know, I know what that's for, like, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is like when, when I look at our time, like, uh, for me, when I read the book essentialism, which I recommend to everybody, it's, it'll change, it'll change your life. I uh, just read it not that long ago. Just an FYI. Like I've been on this journey for a couple yeah. of years and he was like, why have you not read this book yet? And I'm like, oh, I probably know I everything so that's in there. Books. I'm like, read it's really this good. Book. It's really, really good for anyone. This isn't just and it's not even about decluttering. It's just essentialism in your life. Yeah. Anyway, continue. It's like finding finding like the things that are important in your life and actually pouring your time into them rather than allowing yourself to be distracted by all these things that are good. They're, like that's a problem. We usually fill our lives with really good things. We just happen to fill them up with too many things and skip over the great things or don't really invest good amounts of time in the great things. Like toys, good. Toys are great, but too many toys, not so good. And so for me, as I was going along this journey with her, I started looking at my time because my time happens to be more where I allow my life to get cluttered. And yet Um, you still do this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but this is actually a good point. I love, I absolutely love doing this to the point where I have to like, I like I make the time and I probably need to just make sure I'm restraining myself because I could get so into this podcast and podcasts in general because it brings me such joy and energy. Like it's hard to go to sleep after we're done with these because I just had so much fun. Like, and, and it brings me so much energy. It's like a like a, like a euphoric adrenaline kick or something when I'm, <laughs> when I'm done, but you know, That's awesome. it, it, <laughs> but it caused us, you know, to go, it caused me to go, okay. Like when my, my kids are thinking that I'm gone more than I'm home. And to me, I was allowing things that were really good, really good things to get away from the essential things, which is my, my family and my kids. And I'm, I'm, I'm I still suck at it completely. Um, in no, a lot of ways, no, no, I'm no. better. It goes in seasons. Yeah. And so right right now is a season where I'm not doing so great. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what's been, what's been on part of our, our journey as well. And I think the thing that, um, is it Greg, right? Is that, that's the first name, McGowan? Yep. Okay. Greg says in his book is like, the point is not about essentialism. The point is, is those things. And he said, you know, it's amazing what you can get done when you're focused on the nines and the tens and you, it's in, it's in, it's incredible and how your life changes. And he says, everybody he talks to that does it. Um, I've listened to some interviews with him. Everybody he talks to 
that that pushes towards it, you you're never gonna get it perfect. But it changes their life in radical ways. You know, you think about um he talks about the is it the charity uh water um guy and yeah. how he has one single focus in his life and that is to get water to people who don't have it. And his and wife left him if, ten years ago. Oh, really? No, I don't know. I just made that up. Oh, okay. yeah, that's your one single focus. <laughs> a lot of your friends are going to be like, yeah, I don't really hang out with him anymore. <laughs> but that's the thing. He has this organization where like, like their organization is set up that zero, like they don't, 100% of the money that comes in goes towards water because they don't believe that they should take anything away from those people. Um, they do separate fundraisers and it's created, it's created, um, it's harder um, to do that. But, um, they, he has that, that one single focus. And if you look at what he's been able to do and the organizations he's been able to bring together as, as one, you know, young guy, I think he was in his twenties when he started it. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. And the world needs more people who are committed to, um, to, to more single or, or double focused, uh, things in their life. And, needs to get away from this chaos of unessential things that we have. There's so many things pulling for our attention right now. And every time I listen to it, I think, ah, I need to get rid of Netflix <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's just, it. you can lose so much time. <laughs> you can lose so much, uh, so much, so very quickly. So, um, jo Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Andrew. Yeah. I guess my question is like, I got to eat, right? I got to make food. And it's not really something that, you know, I got to pack my lunch. It's not that's really something that's like uh, critically critical to making a difference in the world. Hooray, we're all better. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, it's like a two most of the time. Every now and again, it's like a seven or eight or nine when I'm like. <laughs> Wait, eating make, is a two for you or just pr no. making sure that you're prepared and ready to eat? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I okay. mean, I love to eat. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of things that lead up to it. Okay, generally speaking, there's a lot of things that lead up to eating unless you're eating prepackaged or freshly bought food, in which case you're either right. being unhealthy and or wasting a lot of money and probably both. Anywho, that being said, um, preparing, like going to the grocery store today, right? It took me, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour, and I was wrangling my one-year-old at the same time, so I, was, I guess I was doing two things at once. But like, how do how do I make judgments about that kind of stuff? Because it feels like to me, there's there's two different pieces of my life: the things I have to do and the things I do because I want to. And it makes sense how to apply it to the things I do because I want to, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense on how to apply it to the things I do because I have to. Yeah, I mean, I think it does. It's speaking more to the things that you're you essentially have a choice on. Um, but I think sometimes we think that the things that we have to do. Um, are like we we mix them up. So is it really something that you have to do now? Eating obviously you have to eat. Yes, you have to go grocery shopping. But one of the things that you can kind of um maybe take a, a mind shift on is um so for me there was a season where I got very ambitious and wanted to get very natural and organic-y. And I was like, I'm gonna make everything. Now, not everything. I can't like I don't know how to can or any of that stuff. But I started making a lot of things from scratch and I still do some of that, um, but I realized that it was taking up more time than was probably worth it and it wasn't really cheaper 
Um, that was another motivation for me was to save money on our grocery bill. Um, and so trial and error again, um, I realized, okay, some things are worth it and some things are not. And so I'm going to find another way to save some money that isn't going to take up as much of my time. Um, and it's just not something I was really enjoying. And if I didn't have to do it, um, like it's not like we were struggling so much financially that I needed to, you know, for example, bake bread, which I didn't do. But like, let's say baking bread. Um, if I didn't have to do it, then I'm not going to do it. It just wasn't worth it, um, the trade-off. So for you with grocery shopping, you probably don't enjoy it, but it needs to be done. But is there a way that you can find a way to kind of enjoy it a little bit more? Maybe it's um, doing one of the grocery delivery services. You know, sometimes people say that that's worth it to them to be able to save that time so they can spend it doing something else. Um, or choosing where you go grocery shopping to be able to save money because maybe you know, maybe you want to save that money to be able to put it towards something that is very meaningful for you, um, like a cause that you're you're wanting to support or um, put it into a fund to be able to help somebody in your community. Like there's there's like other things that kind of fall after that, that there's like a trickle down. So yes, you have to eat, but how you do that, how you get your food, what you eat, like all that kind of stuff, you can think about that and be more intentional with, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that seems reasonable enough. Um, yeah, I have thought some of those things, like where do I get my food, which things do I want to buy, which things do I want to make, and so on and so forth. Um, I My personal experience, because we live relatively close to a grocery store, and so basically if we have to save a significant amount of money to make to justify driving somewhere else, and I just, like, yes, I can save 10 cents on that item, but it's going to cost me $1.50 in gas to make the trip there and back. So it, right. it's really been difficult to find a place that's both more convenient and cheaper. But that's kind of here nor there. Um, but so what about... Well, I think... Can I can I answer? Can I also kind of chime in on your question? No, you're not our guest. Um, yeah, absolutely, Joe. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was thinking along the lines of like, if you're saying like no to something, something you're saying yes to something else and, and vice versa. And so... When you go back to the the eating thing, if you're saying no to eating, to say yes to something else, you're actually not saying yes to something that's 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 good necessarily or better um, or best for you. So, as far as rating it, like the things like eating or um, sleeping, like those things play into the things that you would be rating high and wanting to do. Like you you can't. Um, disconnect them well I'm just saying like you 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 have to eat so you have the energy to do the thing that you love you have mm -hmm. to get adequate sleep otherwise you don't have the energy to do the thing that you love um, or to take care of the people that you love and so those things while maybe from a desire side or would be twos from a necessary side they're tens like they are things that are needed um, that push you towards and allow you to accomplish those those goals and those those um, items that are are most important to you. That that makes a lot of sense. That there's like two sides of that coin. The you know what do I want to be spending my time doing, and what what's essential for me to be spending my time doing, and where those two things intersect is probably um, mm -hmm. the activities that bring people a lot of joy. Um, yeah. The other question I have: What about how do you guys feel about? I'm going to say tools broadly, and I don't necessarily mean like, 
oh, I'm a man, I have power tools. But like, you know, a frying pan is essentially a tool. Like, is it, obviously a frying pan seems like something worth having, but like how many kitchen gadgets do you have? Because, you know, if you have one of those little crank cheese graters, it's really nice for grating cheese, but is it necessary? <laughs> like, so I guess my question is, when when there, are, when there are items that make other tasks like easier or quicker, how do you decide when they're worth it and when they're not? Because there are some things that's like, yeah, that makes that job that takes me seven seconds, it makes takes it makes me take it only like four seconds. So I'm shaving three seconds off per week or whatever. It's like probably not <laughs> worth it. But if it's like I do this a hundred times a day and it takes me, mm-hmm. you know, forty five seconds each time and now I can cut it down to thirty five seconds, you know, that's a thousand seconds. That's worth it. So I, I, I guess my question is, how do you feel about physical objects that allow you to do things better? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And I, I again, I think it is going to be different for each person because um, what I do in the kitchen is not going to be the same as what you do in the kitchen. Um, so, for example, um, well, we have a really small kitchen. Um, I obviously can't show a picture because this is a podcast, but it's a pretty small kitchen. Um, and I actually have like I still have some space in my cabinets. Um that I could technically add more things to. Um, But for example, we just, um, Joe might not know this, but we just got rid of a strainer because I was like, we don't ever need both strainers. Yes, we do. No, we don't. So This is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I finding about this on the podcast? Bomb! Um, Which one do we keep? The red or the clear one? The red one. one, The bigger one. So like, we kept the bigger one. We didn't need a bigger one and a smaller one because it's very rare that we would need both of them at the same time. So... I got rid of the smaller one, and he's shaking his head at me. I can think so of at sorry. least two occasions where I've used both of them, but I'll make two. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Find something of yours to throw away <laughs> you love. Thank you. But another thing was I got an, um, an apple slicer, and um, I slice a lot of apples because my kids really love apples. So I thought, way to go. Like, this will be so helpful because this will make it so much quicker. Well, it's just not. I don't know why people like that. Um, so if you're listening and you love your apple slicer, please tell me what apple slicer you have because I it just didn't No, It's just not good. It was awful. It just never cut it through the core, like in the middle of it. And so I was always having to then use a knife to just cut it up anyway. So I got rid of it. I was like, I'm done with this. Um, we only have like... We have one of each thing, essentially. Like, we don't have a lot of extra kitchen stuff. Um, We don't have a lot of extra appliances. We have a a blender, a really good blender, because that's something that I use on a daily basis. Um, But I don't have, um, like, I don't have, like, an immersion blender. And then a, what's the other thing that people use? The bullet? No. Food processor? Yes, that. I don't have a food processor. And I keep thinking, huh, do I need one? And I'm like, haven't used it yet. Don't need one. Yeah, but um, that applies so to everything you don't own. Like, that's how I felt about smartphones. And then I bought one. And I was like, man, I should have done this a while ago. So <laughs> I, I hear I what you're saying. Like I've waste- never needed it yet. I don't need one. Is that like, I don't know. There seems to be a flaw in that logic that's pretty self-evident. And there could be, which is why I got an apple slicer. Because I thought, huh, that actually might make my life easier. But I ha- I don't have any recipes that I use on a regular basis that have ever said I need an immersion or um what's the thing food called processor. again? Oh my gosh, a food processor. See, I don't even know what it's called. If you made oh, your boy. own, if you made your own like <laughs> coleslaw or but sauerkraut or that kind of stuff, Yuck. then it would be handy. Yuck. But I, I totally understand no. if you're not making that stuff, you don't need it. We have right, one, so we love it, but 
we make our own baby food and we make our own pickles and so on and so forth. So it comes in handy. Right. Right. It, exactly. And so that that's why it's going to be different for everybody. Some of the stuff that I have in my like my blender. I spent a little bit more on a blender recently because I realized that it was wasting a lot more time using a not so good quality blender um, because I use it all the time. And so I was spending so much more time trying to like get it to work right. And so I figured why not just spend a little bit more money and get a really good blender. But other people would say, I don't even have a blender. My parents don't have a crock pot. They've never used one, don't care to use one. That's fine. We have one, you know, and so. Like kitchen heresy. No crock pot. I mean, yeah. anything you I can do in a crock pot, you can do in an oven. I've just, yeah. I, just, I have debated getting rid of my crock pot, and my husband said, just keep it and let's see how much you use it in the next six months. And that is another thing that ever, is a good rule of thumb. Have you ever debated six getting months. rid of your husband and see how much you use him in the next six months? <laughs> you know, I use him a lot, actually. Like today, I couldn't turn on my van. Yeah. Oh, it's a story was... for another time. But <laughs> I will say I was thankful I had him oh. and I, that I had FaceTime on my phone. Yeah, for because real. I needed it. So it's yeah, I don't know. It's going to be different for everybody. So, and you're right. There is so, a flaw to that argument. So you're probably That's keeping true. him then, huh? I, for now. OK, we'll see how much I use them in the next six months. So, Andrew, <laughs> I think the role that the role that we that I when people ask me about this kind of thing is I go, have you used it in the last year? And are you going to ha- can you anticipate any reasonable scenario that you're going to use it in the next year? And um, Debbie is putting her finger up like she might disagree with me. <laughs> no, no, no. But so another thing that has been really helpful for me, um, and I don't remember where I heard this, um, but they were talking about, it's probably Joshua Becker, I'm assuming, but um, talking about how we, when we own less, we share more. And so let's say that there's, um, okay, so we have friends who live a couple houses down. He's a painter. Do you have a study so that if, says that? Just out of curiosity. Because I'm not saying you're, what? if the less we own, the more we share. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'd love to see, I'd love to see a double blind study that demonstrates that. You are welcome to do the double blind study, my researcher friend, scientist man. <laughs> I don't think um, I'm qualified. I'm sure she's I'm right welcome, until, but <laughs> she's proven right until she, <laughs> that's she's right. right until proven wrong. That's she right. made the assertion; she has to prove it. <laughs> well, generally speaking, um, so our friend down the street, he is a painter. It wouldn't make much sense for us to have all of the same painting tools that he has for us to paint maybe once every couple of years or something, you know? And so it would make more sense to borrow something from him. And same with him. He's not going to use technology stuff as much as Joe does. So it would make more sense for him to borrow something that he might need. So if if somebody else that is near you, a neighbor, has something that you could use for that one time out of the year that you might need it, whereas they use it more frequently because it's their job or their hobby or whatever – then why should both of you own it? Um, so I'm not I'm not gonna purchase that food processor and let unless I've unless I find like I really need it, but like I'm not gonna purchase it if I know that that one time out of the year that I make that one recipe, I can just ask your mom for her food processor to use, you know, or something like that. And that helps us to kind of have more community mindset as opposed to, well, I have everything that I need just in case. And then I don't have to ask anybody else for anything else. Like, I'm self-sufficient. I'm just living by myself. Like right, a good right. American. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the reason right, we all right. need to own one of everything is because it's good for the economy. The food processor, processor people need to sell one to you so they can keep their jobs. Hmm. 
That's I mean no, that's essentially what marketing dealer, is for. The junk dealers need the, all their parts, and the landfills need yeah. to keep their. Those landfills paid. aren't going to fill themselves. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Plasma waste conversion. Look it up. <laughs> Not you, because we talked about it. But <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> no, I, I mean it definitely makes sense to be able to, you know, you you've probably heard that that saying beg, borrow, or steal kind of thing, and yeah. uh, well, I don't necessarily endorse the stealing. The begging and the borrowing <laughs> is certainly there's there's a lot of things out there that you don't need one you don't need one of you don't need to own one of I definitely I definitely understand that I do have a question though what they say about like like free things for instance yeah. I'm I'm being offered some free tools these are like woodworking tools of decent quality and decent usefulness to myself and I have actually driven to my father-in-law's house to use his tools and now I'm being offered a free one and I'm like um I don't have a lot of space but I do use I do like wish I had one and go over to his house on a regular basis so I can use one so you know I I took him up on the offer it hasn't been delivered yet but uh I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that yeah that's a really good question so generally speaking I say Hey, just because it's free, don't take it because that might just be clutter in your house that somebody else could have been using. You know, like I had this, maybe this is a little bit TMI. I don't know if this is awkward, but we had, um, we had babies. And so I had a breast pump and somebody gave it to me for free and I just kept it because I was like, oh, I could sell this potentially to somebody else, you know, after you sterilize it and stuff. Um, and then there was a need um, from a, a friend of a friend. Um, her husband had just left her and she was pregnant and she had already gotten rid of all of her baby stuff and she needed a breast pump. And so we were able to give that to her. So there was no point in me keeping this free thing just in case I could sell it or just in case I had another kid. Like we thought we were done with kids at that point anyway. And so I gave it to her, somebody who could actually use it right then and there. So with, with tools, um, it makes sense. It makes sense that if you are actually using those tools on a regular basis at somebody else's house that you would be like, yeah, like, let me take those free tools. I'm actually going to use them. I'll have a purpose for them. And yet you can also think through, okay, is there value to me going over to my father-in-law's house and having maybe potentially time with him and the relationship that builds because you're sharing the tools? Maybe that's really meaningful for him to be able to spend time with his son-in-law. And I have no idea. I don't know what your relationship like is with with him, but um but there's different things to consider with that. So it's not always that free is good and it's not always that it's bad. Um, I will say if it's free from the dollar store, I can almost guarantee you it's not It's not good. It's just quality I'm realizing is really important. Really, yeah. really important. The dollar store doesn't even want it. That should tell you something. I know. <laughs> I know. Andrew, what, what, give me an idea of what one of the tools is. A table saw. Yeah, you should. If you have the room, you should always you should accept a table saw. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like really expensive? Yeah, they're yeah. they're really expensive and they're really handy when you need them. There's there's really nothing else that can do what a table saw can do. Well, there yeah. you go. And if you're gonna use it, then keep it. And but also offer it offer it up to other people. Say, hey, you know, this is something that I have. I got it for free. It's a resource. So if anybody else you know needs it, hey, feel free to use it. That way, it actually gets used and it has like potential for community building and things like that too the thing that it's done in my opinion the thing that's done for me the most so far even though i don't actually have it yet is it forced me to think about how my basement is set up because currently it's just like uh put it in the basement and there's just mm. i've never the organizational systems that 
came with the basement are still here and I've just been using them as is and I haven't been like, you know what, this needs to be organized. So I'm taking a much more critical eye on like where stuff goes and how it gets utilized. Um, so yeah, that's good. That's actually the thing that it's it's had the most effect on so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always say if it's a good quality tool that's really expensive to buy <laughs> <laughs> and you can think of at least one time in the next year you're going to use it. <laughs> I'll, I'll use it probably significantly <laughs> once I have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, well, hey, we're we're kind of in, we're getting towards the end of our time here. So, um, Debbie, you also blog. So, um, what is what are some places that people can, well, first, before we get to that, summarize <laughs> all of this for us in as succinctly as you can, like three sentences. All right. So minimalism or essentialism, as we'll call it, um, it is important because we all have the choice to say yes to something or no to something. We don't have to let our culture and its expectations control us. Um, and so when we are more intentional with our choices, whether it's what we're purchasing, what we're allowing to enter into our homes, what we say yes to with our schedules, um, when we're intentional in those ways, um, we have more freedom. We have more freedom to spend time on something that we enjoy or nurturing relationships and building into our communities. And we're less, um, really we're less selfish and we get to actually build into other people's lives more and hopefully make a difference. But when we are not being intentional in those ways, we can become very inward, um, become busy and think that that's better, um, that that's something to be proud of and um, really miss out on on the community building that I think is really critical um, for our lives. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. So where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Yeah, on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash subversive mama community is my blog's Facebook page. So you can connect with me there. Um, and then I'm on Instagram as subversive mama. And then I post a lot of things on Pinterest. Um, there's actually a specific board on there um, that's like living with intention, I think. Um, but my one on there is Pinterest.com slash Debbie Wanger. 86. So it's a little different on that one just because that has been before Subversive Mama was birthed. And obviously, subversivemama.com. And subversivemama.com is my blog. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So, one final question uh, before we let you go to bed. Da, 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 da. <laughs> um, so, what is something that you are currently reading or listening to? So, I just finished reading. Two out of the three um, Robert Lupton books. Um, I can't think of the exact name of the one. Um, it's like Compassion, Justice. It's up on our bookshelf. Maybe Joe can glance over for me. Um, but anyway, it's a Robert Lupton book. Um, he also wrote the book Toxic Charity. Um, and so I just finished reading that. It was really, really good about just diving into city life because we are moving into the city. Um, I'll be at a smaller city than um, Atlanta where he is. Up oh, there it is. What does it say? Compassion, justice, and the Christian life. Rethinking ministry to the poor. Yes. And so he talks a lot about um, how to be more intentional with how we're trying to help people um, and coming alongside of them and working with their potential and their strengths instead of doing for them. Um, it's just really, really good. He has awesome stories. Highly recommend him. 
If you liked this episode, share it. Um, rating us, leaving comments on your favorite podcast app is always appreciated. And if you have anybody that you feel like needs to be on the podcast, take a moment, uh, share with us uh, who they are on Facebook or email us at contact at whyisthatimportant.com. We would very much appreciate that. And if you just really love supporting podcasts with your money, you can always go to our Patreon account and we'll have that linked in the show notes. So it's essential. Cool. You should do it. It's <laughs> yes, it's essential. Nice. <laughs> you should rate that a 10 and then go give us money. <laughs> so all right, cool. Well, thank you, Debbie, for, for coming on the podcast for letting us challenge you and ask you questions and it was it was fun. And thank you for Thank you for challenging us and helping us understand why essentialism is important. Sure, thanks for listening. Wow, that that is uh, it's good stuff. I'm really glad, Debbie, uh, that you were able to come on here today. And thanks so much for uh, uh, for taking some time and helping us to understand what essentialism and minimalism is. It's definitely something I know I can apply in my own life, and I imagine Joe, you would probably agree with me there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been neat to see the changes in our house and the the little ways because it's not all at once. You know, it's little things here and there, and like even with us um, now trying to sell our house, um, we are not having to do a ton of decluttering. Like everyone's like, "Oh, you got to declutter, have all this stuff," and and we're like, "Okay, you know, there's not a lot to declutter," and so it's been it's been kind of nice just to just to be able to kind of see the fruits of of those labors and that that mind shift. And I imagine it'll make packing and moving huh, so much easier if you're not Dude, hauling all sorts of stuff you don't need. We are. I'm a moving rock star. Like I love it. It's sad how much I enjoy like packing all our stuff into a truck and seeing how efficiently I can do it. And then we always have people from our church that help us out and trying to create a system that is easy enough to to know how to unpack it. The stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Furniture Jenga. Yeah. You play that. Yes. That's that's probably my favorite. <laughs> well, no, it's more like furniture Tetris than Jenga. Yeah, yeah, Although, yeah. No, Jenga's on the way out. Yeah, you're right. Tetris is on the way in. Yeah. There's a, there's a level of that. Though, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to figuring out. Like, like, I remember I had a friend of mine look at my keys and was like, do you really need all these? And I, you know, kind of went through them. I was like, yep, never use that. And yeah, I use mm-hmm. that occasionally, but only if I'm already in this place. So why don't I just keep the key that key where I'm going to need it rather than on my keychain where I, you know, carry it with me to work and hold it for eight hours a day when I have absolutely no need to. So I slimmed yep. it down. And now I'm like three keys, my key fob and two like uh, rewards tags. And it's been fantastic. And uh, my wife is going to have it on her blog. Um, it should be out by the time this, this episode is posted. There's a neighbor of ours that she was able to help kind of work with the essentialism mindset and all that stuff. And she sent some pictures over what their house looked like before and after. And there's some things that she threw away that were like had emotional attachment, but it was just like a dirty old pair of cleats. And there was like, like or hiking shoes or something like that. And it was like no, no inherent value beyond just the memory, which was there regardless of whether she had the thing. And so, yeah, it was kind of it's kind of neat to to see that stuff, but snap a picture. I was I, th- right. I heard that in a podcast somewhere. The guy's like, you know, if there's some things, I'm like, this has sentimental value. I just take a picture of it because now I yep. always have it. I can you know I can put it anywhere. I can print it out, 
put it in a frame and be like, oh yeah, that pair of shoes. But I don't need that pair of shoes. And I was like, that's actually a really good point. So, And then somebody can hack your cloud account and post it for you. But... We digress. Exactly. So, you know, hey, if uh, if you really enjoyed this conversation, you know, take some minutes and uh, look look things over on the the show notes. There's a lot of material out there, and it has wide implications in your life. And uh, if you enjoyed it even more, take some time, rate us, provide some comments on the podcast, help us grow. Uh, we need you. We can't do this on our own. And if uh, you'd like to, you can always support us on Patreon. So, if uh, I think that's it, I think that's a close. I, we can we'll keep this to the, just the essentials here at the end. I like it. So, all right, we'll catch you next week. Let's start. Oh no, I think I pressed the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. No, I'm restarting. <laughs>